It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. You're listening to BGN Radio. Wentz and the shotgun. Wentz with a commanding presence is back. Here comes the rush. He steps up. He fires on the run. Complete the Ertz across midfield. Look at that kid. Ertz got out of came across the field and there was great movement by Wentz and he threw a dart. He threw a dart. That's right. Uh, welcome to episode number 191 of BGN Radio. My name is Matt Daring. Uh, I will be emceeing you for the next, uh, you know, 30, 45 minutes or so. Uh, we're here. It's bi week. Going to be a little bit slower. Going to kind of talk big picture stuff. Uh, with me, as always, is my broadcasting partner, Mr. John Stolness. How are you, buddy? I'm good, Matt, man. It's, it's, you know what? If you're going to have a bye week, it's nice to come off a 34 to 3 victory over the Steelers to kind of feed off of that for a couple weeks. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a fun couple weeks because we just get to sit and talk about Carson Wentz for a while. This is nice. Yeah. How about that? I kind of need more. Uh, yeah. I mean, before we get too much into it, what do you think of the week three, the week four bye? I, I guess I'll go out on a limb here and say I hate it. Yeah, it's terrible. It's way too early. We're just starting to get our our, our fangs drip dip with in blood just a little bit here, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, the fangs, you know, the fangs of, of <laughs> football fangs. You know, I'm just we're just you know we're just cutting our teeth on on some of these uh, on some of these games, and uh, you know I, I guess this is why they created fantasy football because I'll still watch this week because I'll still have a rooting interest in some ways. But yeah, week four is too early for a buy, and it comes at a bad time for the Eagles because they are really on a roll. Um, um, but you know, it's once. I guess the the good part is once we're clear of week four, the rest of the season we've got football every week. So 
Yeah, that's true. I was thinking back to, you know, before 2002 when the Texans uh, joined the league and there were 31 teams, which meant that there was one team on a minimum that was on a bye every week. You know, you can, that's you know, right. I forgot about that. Yeah, can you imagine just week one, you're like, oh, football's here next week. But not for you. Right, yeah. This, and the same thing with, um, you know, week 17, right? It's like, well, yeah. boy, there's a big week coming up here with playoff implications for every team except for the Cardinals who were done. You know, <laughs> like, you. yeah, like... It was wild, but anyway, the um, just just scoreboard watching to the extreme, like nothing you've ever seen. But uh, yeah, so uh, so yeah, it's a big big picture show sort of thing. Uh, coming up a little bit later, we're going to be joined by uh, Kabir Akhtar, who is the Emmy winning uh, editor of the TV show Crazy Ex Girlfriend. He's also worked on Arrested Development, and uh, he's just a generally sort of interesting guy. Uh, turns out he's a big Eagles fan, so we're going to have him on. We're going to sort of talk to him about his show, talk to him about what it's like to win an Emmy. Uh, this is probably being the most famous person I've ever talked to, so I'm kind of looking forward to that. Um, well, and this and and for, you know and you know full disclosure, Matt. This is Matt's show, yeah, guys. I, I do. I, I love this show. I uh, well, I'll talk a little bit more, but but yeah, the, this is uh, this show is very special to me. But um, yeah, so so I guess we're going to start to talk about big picture. I think that one of the big things that's happened here that we haven't hasn't really gotten a lot of play is that the Lane Johnson situation is finally winding down. And I I guess I have my own theories about how that's all going to shake out when it's all said and done. But um, needless to say, I think a lot of people are kind of expecting there to be a, you know, barring some some last minute Mexican meat style reprieve. Love that. The Mexican meat. <laughs> uh, barring some last minute Mexican meat style reprieve, you know, some phone call from the governor, uh, Governor Roger. I, I think that we're expecting to for Lane Johnson to be missing for, you know, at minimum uh, 10 weeks or at most 10 weeks, um, which is still put him back in time for the playoff push. You know, not that the Eagles will need to push the playoffs when they walk right in. Uh, but nevertheless, I think this is uh, something of a major uh, blow. I know our own Brandon Lee Gowton. He's um, he's sort of brought up a couple of times that you know the thing that Lane got busted for last time is actually no longer illegal. So I guess BLG still sort of holding out hope that there could be a successful appeal, whether that be back down to four uh, four weeks or you know something else, or maybe that the union's getting involved. This has been the process of this has been very strange. But uh, I guess I'm just sort of you know with this in mind, how do you think this is going to affect the line, John? Well, I mean, obviously, Lane Johnson has played really well the first three weeks of the season. Really and has, yeah. It's it's really important. Carson Wentz, one of the most important things about his development during these first three weeks, and one of the reasons why he's been so good is he's had a clean pocket so much of the time, especially last week against the Steelers. I thought the offensive line played their best game of the season. And... We all know that the most important thing about an offensive line is continuity. You want to try and have those five guys in the same spot week in and week out. Every team, you know, strives for that. I mean, unless your five guys are all terrible. If you've got five guys who do a decent <laughs> job, you know, you want to have all five of those guys next to each other for every single game. And the teams that end up usually having the healthiest offensive line during the course of a season tends to do pretty well most of the time. Um, so... You know, with Lane going out, he's he's a Pro Bowl quality offensive lineman, and when you when you lose a guy like that, it's it's gonna hurt. Now, I mean, a Barber's gonna move uh, to to his spot, and he's played pretty well so far this season. But of course, you know, you're talking about a position change, and then Wisniewski's gonna slide in mm-hmm. uh, to to Barber's spot. So, you know, and and Wisniewski has gotten some playing time, so it's not like this is a, a seventh round rookie that they're that they're pulling off the, the the practice squad to come fill in on the offensive line. But that being said, you don't just simply replace Lane Johnson it's going it's probably going to hurt um, and it would be great if it's reduced to less than 10 games but you know Eagles fans should be expecting a 10 game suspension and 
the offensive line probably won't be quite as good as it has been over the first three weeks. I think there, we are still holding out just a little bit of hope maybe that he will still be able to play in week five against the Lions, depending on how long it takes for a decision to be rendered in the in the, in the the uh, appeal case. Is, yeah, I think Schefter said he, he even expected it. I think that was him. But um, okay. maybe it was Garofolo who said that he expected him to still be playing in October, whatever that is. But yeah, uh, I agree. And I guess it's sort of a shame because I think it makes them worse in two spots uh, and you know that's sort of dumb to say but you know like uh, Barbary's been doing a really good job there at, at left guard and so they're going to move him over to right tackle and that's clearly a downgrade and then you know Wisniewski's going to show up and uh, you know he's not that good um, he's okay mostly played center a lot of his value is his ability to snap the ball and get his hand up fast you know center's a different animal than guard you know it's not that different but you know, certainly, I think that if you talk to interior linemen, they'd say like it's not. You know, it, making the switch isn't so isn't so simple. So, um, yeah, it's a shame. Uh, I guess we could expect to see some of Sayamalu. Um, I wonder if things kind of go south a little bit. If they might get Halapulavati um, Vitai involved there, you know, and try to move Barber back in. You know, depending on how things shake out. But you know, there's a little bit. Of, there's a little bit of the that rookie action here, and I would expect them to get involved. You know especially with Lane Johnson going out sooner rather than later. Um, I guess also of note, the Eagles re-signed uh, Daryl Green to their uh, practice squad, which could yeah. mean that you know he could possibly be somebody who's coming on the, on his way up when Lane Johnson gets put on the, uh, the reserve suspended list. One of the things that made this weird was the delayed process, because we heard about this before the season even started. And Lane with Lane Johnson not having been suspended yet, you have to play him. But you know, I I don't think that, or at least I, I haven't read anywhere that you know that that the offensive line has at least been practicing or preparing for this contingency. Um, maybe they'll do that during the course of this bye week. You know, if they you know if they want to put in some a couple extra days, this this bye week does afford them the ability to to move some guys around and get some more practice that way. But you know, you've started off the season here with Lane Johnson. And knowing that he was probably going to go away, but you don't get really a lot of time to prepare for it. Whereas, you know, if, if this had been a, a, you know, kind of a clean cut at the beginning of the year, you know, like we knew, okay, he, he, he started in test. June or something. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, at least you can spend some of the training camp or a mini camp or something getting everybody acclimated to this. And although I, you know, I guess the one good thing is that, and we can talk about, you know, Doug Peterson and the coaching or whatever a little bit later, but this team has been really well coached so far this year, and it gives me a little bit more confidence that these coaches will be able to put these guys in a position to succeed. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, I guess we could we could go on and on about this, but I think that, you know, I think that that's a good point that the um, the coaching staff, I mean, we really have, at this point, we, why, why should we doubt them? I mean, I think we right. all sort of, we've, we've been rolling our eyes too much. We're all tired out. And so, uh, but at this point, I mean, this coaching staff, this, they deserve the benefit of the doubt. I think that, you know, if they think Barbary moving over and Wisniewski, obviously it's not perfect, but they'll probably figure it out. They seem to have, I mean, they figured out everything else. They just shellacked the Steelers, you know, 30, <laughs> 34 to three. So, you know, who knows? Um, I guess this segues nicely to our next, next point. Uh, Carson Wentz can't, Cannot talk about him enough. Uh, do you think this is the most impressive rookie in recent memory? Uh, and I think that um, I'll preface this by saying there have been some impressive rookies, you know, recently. Uh, you know, Sam Bradford, he set some records. Um, you know, people were really impressed with him, even though, you know, it didn't really translate to the on-the-field product, you know, in terms of wins or whatever. Right. Uh, but, um, you know, other guys, Cam Newton. But I think that when you when we're talking about 
uh, when we're talking about impressive rookies, I think we really have to talk about um, you know, the big two from a couple of years ago, Andrew Luck and Robert Griffin III. Um, they both came out. They both had big years. They both led their teams to the playoffs. Um, Carson Wentz is certainly, you know, well on his way to doing something like that. But I'm curious what you think, you know, how he stacks up against those two uh, so far. I think he stacks up favorably with, with those guys. I can't say that he'll end up having a better rookie season than those guys because, obviously, taking your team to the playoffs, and you saw the way Griffin played that first season where he looked like the most dynamic player in football, and and, and you have and, you had Andrew Luck, who, who just looked like he was going to be an Aaron Rodgers or a Brett Favre or the next Peyton Manning for, for the next decade, and one of those guys has continued on that path. Luck had a, a, took a step back last year with injuries, but I, I don't think anybody questions how good he's going to be. Yeah. And, Gr- and Griffin, obviously, his career has hit the skids with injuries and um, playing himself out of uh, his starting spot in Washington. Um, that being said, I think Wentz compares favorably with those guys, but I think it's too early to say that he's been better uh, or that he, that well, maybe. I mean, the, through the first three weeks of the season, he has performed better than any rookie quarterback who has ever played in the NFL. So looking at the numbers, yes, he's he's had the best rookie performance of any quarterback in NFL history so far. Um, and I see no reason why he can't continue to play at a solid level the rest of the season. Like everyone else has said, he's shown no indications of not being... Uh, a Pro Bowl level quarterback this year, frankly. I mean, that's what we've seen so far. Yeah, you know, you can still go online and bet on him winning Offensive Rookie of the Year, and I don't right. think I don't think you can win that much. But like, man, that's just free money, right? Like, yeah, he's got unless he, I mean, unless he's goes on IR tomorrow, God forbid. But you know, unless barring some catastrophe, I mean, he's got to have this all locked up. So, um, yeah, and I, I guess I guess the one that I would think about, you know, RG three, it was always sort of in the context of like, wow, you know. Just dynamic, you know, working in the context of that system, the, you know, the read option stuff, just, you know, watch what you can do when you are your own play action. And that was really always our RG3's thing was that he was his own fake run. It was it was yep. um, uh, it was just it was so it was so clear that that was what was going on. And and not to take anything away from him. I mean, it worked. It worked really well. They they hung in with Seattle there to the very end until he got hurt. I mean, we all know the story. We don't need to we don't need to rehash it. And then, you know, his his gradual descent into becoming the sort of uh, icon of where did it all go wrong? But, um, uh, you know, I think that, you know, maybe maybe when you talk about this, you probably want to talk a little bit more about Andrew Luck, because Andrew Luck is sort of more of the same guys, you know, above average athleticism, really bright guy, active at the line, capable of calling his own plays, all that good stuff. I think that when you when you look at that, I think that's sort of I mean, at this point, that's sort of the comparison. And I know Luck had a lot more pre-draft type, better competition, yada, 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 Um, you know, probably a better arm. But I think that when you stack him up against Luck, uh, especially considering that, you know, neither neither Wentz nor Luck has like this great supporting cast, you know, and you you could argue that the difference is coaching. But I think that I think he compares favorably. Certainly the stats say so. Well, and I think the difference between these two is the hype coming out of college. I mean, Carson Wentz was drafted number two overall. So obviously enough people thought that he was going to be a solid enough quarterback, or at least that he had the physical tools to do it. But Andrew Luck coming out of college was everybody knew he was going to be what he turned out to be. Everyone knew he was going to be Aaron Rodgers or Peyton or Brett Favre. I mean, the, the next really great quarterback. Thing, and yeah. He, 
Exactly. And and Wentz came from North Dakota State. He played one double A. I mean, there were a lot of detractors. There were a lot of doubters. And, you know, I didn't I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I knew Wentz was going to be great either because I didn't see him play last year. No, nobody who casually watches college football saw Carson Wentz play last year or at any point in his college career. You know, we were looking at the YouTube videos like everybody else. And so, you know, we heard, you know, the kid from one double A, we we heard in training camp some of the mechanical issues he was working through and it is surprised oh, we, saw him, first, we saw him firsthand i mean that pick that was bad mechanics his, his picky through the only pick he's thrown in his whole professional career right you know, that was that was on bad mechanics it's not you know it's not it's not rocket science but you know i uh well we could have a whole conversation about this but i'm i'm, I'm more and more convinced that we just we really know very very little about what goes into the evaluation of these guys you know, yeah. and as far as like meeting him, I, every day I'm more convinced that you really have to meet these people to understand what kind of player they're going to be. Well, and I think also understanding with a with a quarterback how much of it is uh, up in between the ears, you know, as much as it is in the mechanics. And you and I have talked about it before. How he just he seems like he's one of the most. Uh, intelligent you know football intelligent players uh that the, that we've seen come through this town in quite some time um just how he doesn't ever seem to repeat a mistake and uh it's it's been remarkable so far we're just you know it sucks we're not going to get to see him this weekend but uh you know just hope the the ride continues you know here for as long as we can because as eagles fans we don't get this very often we don't we don't yeah, get really. this kind of found money you know I'm pumped. I mean, I, you know, I live in Steelers country. Uh, a lot of you know I live, I, I'm a grad student at Penn State. So I live out here and there's a lot of Steelers fans. And, you know, it's nice to have, be able to have bragging rights. I can wear my shirt and, you know, people will say, oh, it's a bad shirt. And I say, oh, you got a bad team. So, you know, it's nice. It's because, you know, four, four years ago, it didn't go our way. So it's, it's a little bit nice to have something, uh, um, you know, some, some bragging rights out here, at least for a little while. Um, Turning now, so there's been a, there's been some news coming out of the NFC East. Uh, I don't want to step too bad on the NFC East uh, segment that they always do on the radio show, but um, <laughs> so I think the big news that, that's come out is uh, uh, well, Jerry Jones says Tony Romo's on back to track to come back soon, and you know I I hope for his own good he doesn't because I really think that t- Tony Romo should hang him up. But um, the, there's that. But I think the big news uh, is that uh, Des Bryant has a fractured knee, um, and I am not a doctor. But uh, that sounds bad. Uh, and according to one of the one of the doctors, <laughs> Gene Bramall, that's a good diagnosis. That yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's <laughs> a, you want these things to be in one piece. Um, <laughs> the uh, so according to uh, one of the doctors on Twitter, the football guy's doctor, Gene Bramall, he has to say that um, he's never seen anybody come back from that sooner than six weeks. Uh, mm. As far as you know, the details that go. So, so Des Bryant looks like he's going to be missing some time again for the second year in a row. Um, you know, maybe they learned from their mistakes last year. It seemed like they pushed him back a little bit early, and it ended up costing him his entire season. You remember he played one half of one game, and and that was it for him. So, um, but I think that's big news. Um, as far as the, around the rest of the division, I think the Giants are sort of in a holding pattern, and uh, you know Washington sort of continues to spiral as is their want. But um, I think you know with Des Bryant being out, that really changes the complexion of the division a little bit. What do you think? No, absolutely. He's their best playmaker, and now I, I guess what Cole Beasley is their number one <laughs> option. I mean, it's it, yeah. and they've and they've got a rookie quarterback too who has played his his brains out as well. I mean, Carson Wentz ha, I, has played better, I think, than Dak Prescott. He what you know is he's he's had oh, no more question. Start, and there's no question about it, despite what Cowboys fans will tell you, um, <laughs> but. But I mean, but it's a shame what Cowboys fans are doing because they they really are making Eagles fans scoff at Dak Prescott 
when there really should be no reason to scoff at, Doc, at Dak Prescott because he's had a very, very good season uh, so far, especially as a, as a rookie quarterback as well. But if he's losing his most talented receiver, if he's losing his best target, well, now that vaunted running back, that running O-line and, and Ezekiel Elliott, he's, he's really going to need for Zeke to, to, to step up his game and, and be even more dynamic than he has been because, I mean, what is it, Terrence? Does he have Terrence Williams out Terrence there with Williams. him? Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, and, and, you know, and he's got uh, – and Beasley, who's – don't get me wrong. Beasley's a nice possession receiver. He'll get you eight yards if you need eight yards, but he's not a field stretcher. And, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if teams are going to, you know, now start to take away the short stuff and dare the Cowboys to beat him deep because who are they going to beat him deep with? And and if, you know, without that deep threat that, that Des Bryant provided, now you can play the safeties in a little bit and, and you can start to play a little bit more eight in the box to bottle Zeke Elliott up. So, I mean, this it has ripple effects down the Cowboys' uh, offense that, you know, could really hurt them. I, I think it's a big loss. Yeah, and uh, they are already short on playmakers on both sides of the ball. So, you know, this is this is going to be tough. This is going to be tough for them to come back from. Uh, I don't care. But uh, it's really sad. We're, we're, we're <laughs> oh, yeah. Thoughts. Our thoughts are with with these these, these trying times. Yeah. <laughs> God. Uh, these millionaires who play for a different team. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess, you know, that's probably the, the biggest piece of uh, NFC East news. But I, I wonder, you know, how, how much is this, you know, in light of this last two things we've talked about, you know, the changing complex face of the NFC East, you know, the Giants turning in a stinker against Washington, Washington sort of getting mad at their quarterback, you know, Washington's quarterback playing really badly, um, you know, the all, all this. Uh, and then, you know, on top of that, Wentz sort of delivering the, the, the stone cold stunner here to the to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are a legit Super Bowl contender, perhaps, you know, the AFC, if not the favorite, then, you know, top two. Um, how much of your expectations change for the season? I think that for me, there's no way they miss the playoffs at this point. At this point, they have, they have to make the playoffs. They, they can't lose. No, I agree. And I think, you know, they're the favorites to win the division. Um, you know, I, I heard I mean, when, when, when John and, uh, John and, um, James were talking, um, at the, uh, at the podcast, uh, remote that they did, um, you know, they were talking about, uh, you know, the fact that, the Eagles could go five and one in the, in the division or sweep the division. Winning division games is tough. E- even, even when you've got, you know, teams of, of different talent level, these teams know each other so well, the coaching staffs know each other so well in a, in a, in a lot of different respects winning. I, I'd be, I'm fine with four and two in the division, but I do think that the Eagles have shown that, you know, they are the most competent team so far, but they've, they're, they're, you know, they're, uh, they're, um, it's not run differential in football, but uh, their point differential <laughs> couldn't think of it um, is is high, is more than any NFL team right now, and there's a reason for that. They're well coached and they're utilizing the talent that they do have. In, they're allowing nine points a game. I mean, and we don't when the defense hasn't been talked about enough. And yeah. I mean, obviously, what the defense is doing is making all the difference. The biggest difference between the Eagles this year and the Eagles under uh, Chip Kelly last year is that. Early in these games, the Eagles are making a statement. They're scoring on the first drives. Um, last week, they got a little lucky not giving up a field goal on the first drive. But so far, um, they've done. They, they've done a that field goal a, really would have swung it. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, there's momentum that builds in those first uh-huh. drives, and you know, if you, 
so many times last year. We watched the Eagles in that first drive just do nothing, and in the first quarter do nothing. Yeah, they, they were a real fourth-quarter team the last couple of years. I remember even going back to the Colts game where I think, like, God, I never want to feel this way again after <laughs> a win. But, um, you know, the – just just they you know i always chalked it up to sports science you know that was always the way that it seemed like to me especially in other sports like basketball you know where if a team if a team chokes it away in the fourth quarter or a team is dominant in the fourth quarter it's usually a product of conditioning mm-hmm. um but you know that should be that should be your last resort that shouldn't be the way you do it like you yeah. shouldn't be built to play from behind that's not how that, i don't <laughs> think any successful person will tell you that this right. is what you this is the way you should do things so uh yeah i uh, i i totally agree that that they just seem to be much more in charge well and and, and so how do we judge how do we judge what how how good teams are we judge them by their lines def- defensive and offensive line and we judge them by their quarterback play and of of the four teams in the NFC East the Eagles have gotten the most consistent play out of those areas than any of the other three teams so mm-hmm. you know they they're the favorite they're absolutely the favorite now and you know my my expectations have changed totally. Anyone who, who saw me on Twitter or who heard me uh, in the podcast that we've done together, I was saying even before Sam Bradford was traded, after he was traded, when it became clear Carson Wentz was going to start, I still thought this was a rebuilding year going into Week One because I didn't expect this from Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has made all the difference between this being a rebuilding year and now being a year where they're legitimate playoff contenders. They should make the playoffs. NFL history shows that teams in this in the Eagles position teams that have won their first three games the way they have teams that have jumped out to the kind of leads that they have and 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 started off this way they go to the playoffs and they usually go deep into the playoffs remains to be seen if that will happen with the with the eagles but you have to look at it under that lens now you you have no choice yeah i think i saw a stat that said that the last three teams that had such a big you know the last couple of teams that had such a big point differential you know this quickly were you know, they all made the Super Bowl or something ridiculous like that. So, you know, I think that it's not unreasonable to think that we could make the Super Bowl this year and, pro- and probably win it, um, especially if we keep winning games by, you know, 20, po- 20 points. If you, if you maintain every average by 20 points, yeah, yeah. you're going to be fine. You're <laughs> fine. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree, though. You know, the expectations, they have changed. And uh, I guess I guess I'm sort of glad. Uh, it, sort of, it sort of cheers me up to think that, like, you know what, this isn't just something like, like you don't have to just hide your hands. You don't have to sort of tune in and be like, what are we going to see? Or like, you know, and then the worst is like, boy, I can't wait to like voluntarily get really mad for three and a half hours. Right. Um, and well, and all that's behind us. Like, well, we're not seeing it this week, but like soon, you know, we're just going to sort of expect like to walk, tune in and, and watch some watch some good football. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, the, and the weird thing is th- this happens in the NFL more than any other sport where you can go into a season not expecting much, and then within the matter of the first couple, three weeks of the season, all of a sudden, I mean, you look at the Kurt Warner Rams when they went to the Super Bowl. That's the ultimate, and, and the Tom Brady Patriots. I mean, mm-hmm. the, you, no one expected those teams to do what they did, and because they had a quarterback all of a sudden appear out of nowhere, they became Super Bowl contenders. And, you know, I'm not saying the Eagles are are following that path exactly, but there is a there is a precedence to the to, to what to what is the Eagles have done so far. And uh, you know, we'll see if if the football gods are smiling on the Eagles the way they did the Rams and the Patriots those two years. Yeah, and I can't overstate this enough. They just murdered the Steelers, and that yeah, is a did. really good team. And you know, you could argue, oh, Shazier was banged up, or you know, this, that, and the other thing. But that was this wasn't just a fluky play. This wasn't some some fourth quarter nonsense that came. I mean, this was a 
31 points shellacking. I mean, if that doesn't tell you that this team is legit, I don't know what will. Um, so I guess, uh, you know, in that vein, uh, looking forward to the rest of the schedule, uh, do you think they lose another game? I don't no. think so. No, no, no losses. Either. No losses. It's, uh, um, <laughs> no, but really, though, do you, have a, do you have a record prediction? So just really quick, they're, they're at Lions, at Washington, uh, versus the Vikings, uh, at the Cowboys, at the Giants, and Falcons at the Seahawks. That's a tough one. Uh, Packers at the Bengals, uh, Washington at the Ravens, uh, Giants, and Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, I think their their first loss could come against the Vikings in Week Seven. The yeah. game is at home, um, so you know that's they they've got the advantage there. They'll probably be favorites going into that game because it's at home. Uh, but that could be a loss there. Um, you know, I don't think they lose at the Cowboys. I don't think they lose at the Giants. Um, you know, I think uh, the Eagles play their first three division opponents all on the road this year in Week Seven, Week Eight, and Week Nine. But I think they'll win all three of those games. I do think they'll probably. At Seattle's always a tough beat. It's always a tough beat, and that's a, that's a lot to ask. And then you follow it up eight days later with a um, with a, a Monday night game uh, against the Packers at home, um, and then you have to play in Cincinnati. That is a tough three week stretch. If they go one and two in, the, in that three week stretch, I'll be very happy. But then they finish up Redskins, Ravens, Giants, Cowboys. You know, I, I said I'd be happy if the Eagles go four and two in the division, but now that I'm looking at the schedule, <laughs> I, I do think they maybe they could go five and one or six and zero oh based on yeah. how things lay out. Yeah, I don't think any of those games is an automatic loss. I mean, I don't know. I don't think that's I don't think that's too you know cocky to say. But I look right. at these games and I think like, yeah, the Vikings, but they could hang with the Vikings. I mean, the Vikings sure. can't the Vikings can't block up front. You know, their their passing game is is you know erratic, and I think Sam Bradford's doing a nice job. But you know, nevertheless, I think this is you know. So really, it just comes down to you know, can the Eagles hold up against their defense? And I think that the Eagles are up to the challenge. Um, the Packers, they sort of, well, I mean, they've been very up and down as well, but you know, you look at the Vikings and at least as far as the defense goes, the Packers are the, uh, sorry, the Vikings and the Eagles are, you know, very built very similarly. They sort of have a lot of strength up front, you know, corners are a bit of a weak spot. They have good safety play, um, you know, linebacking, uh, linebacking core is uh is good you know if not a little not a little thin but um and then the Bengals haven't looked very good either i think that it seems yeah. like they're really missing some creative creativity on offense they're missing you know two big weapons on offense i really was surprised they lost both um sanu and uh you know the other guy uh what's his name the guys on the line marvin now. jones marvin jones yeah um so i was really surprised they lost both of those guys but um you know then the ravens you know, the division people uh, the seahawks even the wheels are coming apart like yeah you could say that it's hard to go into seattle and beat them but i mean didn't la do it so um or did, did they play in la uh either way i mean you know the, the seahawks have been have been just trying to get by on you know old tires and gum there on the offensive line and it's it's finally starting to look like it could be a problem and russell wilson's banged up you don't know what's yeah. going to happen there so That's what i say Russell Wilson is banged up and you don't have you don't have Marshawn Lynch doing his thing anymore you I mean they're still trying they're still trying to figure out between Christine uh, Michael and and Thomas Rawls and you know I think uh, they, they just, just signed CJ Spiller yeah yeah just signed I mean you're just if you're signing CJ Spiller off the street your running back situation is not exactly what you'd like it to be so <laughs> for sure I mean no I I just don't you know it's not I obviously they're not going 16 and 0 um could they go 14 and 2 if Carson Wentz keeps playing like this and the Lions keep doing what they're doing could they go 15 and 1 sure they could I'm going to be conservative. I'll say they lose one of these division games and they lose three other places and they go 12 and four. I mean, that's, and I think that's probably the, the floor at the moment, right? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, let's say, let's say they don't do that well. Let's say they drop the Vikings. Uh, let's say they drop at the Giants. Um, and let's say they lose 
uh, two of Seahawks, Packers, Bengals. That's and then I think they could. I mean, there's am I supposed to be afraid of the Ravens? Like I don't think so. So right. and the, and the Falcons, yeah, yeah, the Falcons who are allowing forty points a game or whatever. I mean, <laughs> will Dan Quinn even still be their coach by November thirteenth? Um, yeah. So so I would think that yeah, twelve and four. Yeah, I'm on board. Sign me up. I think that I wonder what the wonder what the line is right now. You probably can't bet on it anymore, but you know something like that. I would wonder if you know go, go put some money on it. I don't know. It's not my money. It's your money. Uh, we're gonna move on to picks here in just a minute. But first, we're welcoming by uh, welcoming in Mr. Kabir Akhtar. He is a editor and director. Uh, his credit many credits include Arrested Development, Crazy Ex Girlfriend, the Academy Awards. Uh, so this guy's been around. And he also happens to be a huge Eagles fan. So we're super pumped to have him here. Kabir, how are you? Good, brother. Thanks for having me. Yeah, hey, we're really pumped to be here. I'm a huge fan of the show. I mean, without getting too personal about it, it's so cool to see like just such a such a cool depiction of you know somebody with anxiety that's sort of acting out in an, in an odd way, but still manages to be like a real person and successful. So you know, I'm just pumped. To, I'm just pumped to be here. I saw that you were an Eagles fan. I saw that you won the Emmy, and, and congrats again on that. And I was like, oh, you know, I texted John. I was like, we got to get this guy in the show. Like, you know. I, it's just it's just so cool to to see you know Eagles fans out there being successful. So, uh, how'd you become an Eagles fan? That's there's a good place to start. How'd you become an Eagles fan? You know, it's a great place to start. Uh, on my actual literal uh, sixth birthday, uh, we beat Dallas in the NFC Championship game, January 11, 1981. Wow. Uh, and so we, my family, we just moved to Philly, like from Virginia, like huh. and. My dad, you know, had just moved to the country like right before I was born, and he'd been a big sports fan. So we moved to Philly like right when Bird got to the Super Bowl. And so we, he got into it. So I got into it. And then, you know, fast forward 30 plus years and here we are. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, that was certainly kind of the first time that the Eagles, you know, since the 40s it had really been anything. Uh, yeah, that's um, that's really cool. That's uh, that's that's wild. So so I guess you moved here from Virginia. Um, I did a little bit of snooping about you. It says your, your dad's a doctor. Uh, is he still a, is he still a doctor? I turned 70 a few weeks ago. Actually, I live in L.A. now, but we just flew back to Philly for the, uh, for the birthday a few weeks ago. Oh yeah, uh, I guess you didn't get the you get a chance to come out to the game. I guess they play the we'll probably play well, the Rams. No, but we no, actually, we got to go to uh, the open training camp at the lake that was that weekend. Oh yeah, uh, yeah yeah. yeah that sounds timing. cool. Yeah. Uh, and I guess you, I guess your dad's all into it. Um, that's cool. It says actually, it seems like you have a pretty famous family. What's that like? It says you know you have a you know your aunt and uncle, and you got some cousins who are also pretty active in Bollywood. That's uh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, you know it's neat. It's sort of twisted because like the family is super famous in India, but obviously not here at all. Sure. Um, and so like it was. <laughs> I won an Emmy right a few weeks ago, which was nuts. And then my aunt and uncle, who are like you know big fucking stars in uh, in Bombay and you know Bollywood, they sent me all these like press clippings, you know, of like articles about how it won. But all the headlines were stuff like you know, like so and so's nephew wins an Emmy, or like <laughs> my cousin's cousin. And my oh, the best one was the other actor wins an Emmy, and like oh, a no. little picture of me. <laughs> Like a little picture of me, like a huge picture of my family there. And I'm like, yeah, all right, that's cool. Whatever, you know. Hey, I mean. I feel, like, I, I feel like when you're from Philly, you're used to being overlooked, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're, Philly, we're always overshadowed by uh, the Bollywood that is the New York Giants, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's pretty cool. So, so I guess you moved out to L.A. Uh, after college. Is that right? And you just wanted to make it there as a director? Yeah, I just dove in. Uh, you know, and so far so good. I mean, I've just won that Emmy. You know, it's been a really strong stretch for the last few years, and 
you know, I'm directing an episode of our show. I just started uh, today, actually. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, well, okay, let's get into it. Actually, first, I wanted to ask you, so you did the new season of Arrested Development, is that right? Yeah, I was like the supervising editor on season four of Arrested Yeah, I, I loved it. What's it like working with Mitch Hurwitz? It's great, man. He's really fucking smart. Uh, he's, I mean, he it really challenges you to raise your game, and uh, I know that I became a lot better at my job working with him, for sure. Yeah, but getting yeah. that job, too, was like, you know, a huge Arrested fan. You're like, why? Like, I hope I don't mess this up for everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I know how that feels. Um, yeah, he, he just is doing Lady Dynamite. You know, you love his stuff. It's always so, like, offbeat. And, you know, the timing, That's that, a lot of that stuff falls on the editor. Isn't that right? I mean, the timing of all his stuff and all of his shows has always been just impeccable. Yeah, uh, thanks. You know, we that's the whole gig. Is, you know, we're always trying to, you know, you're reshaping, all constantly reshaping and just moving stuff around. But, like, timing, adjusting timing is so much. You know, you think about when you're having a, conversation or you're watching a conversation between two people you know you don't always think about who you're looking at it you're just looking at those people and that's kind of my job is to get you to look at certain things it's sort of what kind of the dark arts of uh you know filmmaking of uh, filmmaking yeah that's interesting um yeah, so you won the Emmy. Uh, you won the Emmy for uh, Josh Just Happens to Live Here, which is, the, I guess, the pilot episode. Um, and, and I guess for, the, for our readers at home, our viewers, our listeners, whatever medium this is, um, I think that I think that one thing sort of sticks out to me why this would be so challenging. You want to tell us a little bit about it? Uh, you're going to say music, right? Well, actually, I was going to say that it was shot like a year apart. The first episode we did as a, like a show, pilot for Showtime, like a half hour, super raunchy, like, you know, yeah. down the like, show. And the Showtime was like, no, we hate this and threw it out. And then a few <laughs> months later, the, the CW coming to its rescue. And I think it happens, man. Like, you know, yeah, it's for everybody. I feel like people have ideas that are good, and then someone in charge tells you your idea sucks. Uh, and you're like, and you're like, no, I believe it, but I guess, you know, what am I going to do? And then, like, a few months later, the show came back, and we got to keep making it. We're still getting to make it. And now yeah. it's been, like, racking up awards, you know, for a show that was in the trash can. Yeah, I, I, Rachel's Rachel's talked a lot about that. In particular, she talked about the uh, the scene there towards the end of the episode where, I guess, in the Showtime version, she was uh, giving him a hand job and then starts to give him a blowjob because she was crying. And she uh, they had to they had to switch that up. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, that's great. So so I guess as far as you know, just picking it back up, hairstyles and everything, there's nothing you can do about that. But um, I was gonna say like changing that. You watch that scene again in that first episode, and it goes back and forth between an original version. And mm-hmm. new footage that was shot to sort of like merge it together to get, you know, you obviously can't show a hand job Monday nights at eight o'clock on TV. Right. Yeah. So uh, like on the air. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that was that seems that seems stuff like that is challenging, especially during that scene originally, because, you know, you got to make it sound like she's actually doing that. And <laughs> so someone's got to, you know, I mean, not me, but someone's got to make it sound like that. Yeah. The Foley artist, if he's got a big bowl of pasta or who knows. Um, yeah. Right. Okay. So. So, uh, yeah, but I think the main thing about this, if, so for people who don't know, do you want to tell us a little bit about um, about what Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's a, we're an hour-long uh, comedy show that also has a lot of, like, we break in a song a lot. Like, it's, it's basically a story of a, of a pretty smart girl who's going to be kind of like a just anxiety, nervous breakdown and gives up her, you know, boring, high-powered lawyer life to move to shitty suburbia and take her high school boyfriend, ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah, God, I love it. I'm just smiling thinking about it. Um, yeah, like, so... Yeah, I mean, West Covina, for those you know, who don't, it takes place in a little a suburb of L.A. called West Covina, which, I don't know, it's it's like it's not as glamorous as Westchester is. You know what I mean? Like, that's... <laughs> I try to contextualize, you know? It's like, yeah. oh, look, we moved to Malton. Yeah, the... Uh... 
I, I always think of, um, I mean, I've spent I've spent my fair share of time basically anywhere around D.C. You know, those those sort of crappy suburbs that the kind of veneer Applebee's and and uh, all that stuff. Um, yeah, and and I like I said, I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, you know, I'm a huge fan of this show. But um, yeah, so so the thing about it, one of the, one of my favorite, I mean, probably my favorite thing I've listened to the soundtrack. I can't tell you how many times, and um, is the the music videos. So, um, had you ever worked on music videos before? Yeah, you know, like long ago, my first big gig when I moved here, after my first year was, uh, I wound up editing on Behind the Music, which was like huge at the time. And I, you know, loved, I mean, especially, you know, just being a big music fan my whole life. And then to come out and do that and do like, you know, an old, like, new video and a bunch of other music videos at the time, which was super fun. And like, when this show came along as like a job opportunity, I was like, what? Like, like, we're going to do a show that's like from the point of view of like a smart girl about how like, you know, life is hard and we all make bad choices but we're also going to just break in a song and like sing about it but also do like really smart kind of meta comedy like yeah absolutely let's try that yeah um so i guess uh well how's this work did you did you work with uh mark webb or or did you or do you have a relationship with the cw or i'm not actually sure how this works how did you how did you sort of get involved well you know it's always someone you know putting you together in this case it was actually my agent sent me the script and i was like uh, this is great. I would love to talk to these guys about it, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. So how, how pulled in are you? I mean, uh, what's, uh, what's Carol Seaver like? Uh, she's great. Uh, you're referring to the fact that she directed an episode and I worked on it with her. Yeah. Uh, she was super cool, man. I mean, like, you know, it's one of those things like growing up in Dallas, Kenwood, I'm not thinking like when I'm like 13, I'm ever going to be like working with like the mom from Growing Pains. Um, <laughs> You know, like like that would be, years pretty, later. That'd be a pretty uh, a pretty specific ambition, I think. Right, exactly. Like dreams, Eagles win the Super Bowl. Work with mom on sitcom. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, she yeah, was, she was great. She was super great. That's uh, that's cool. And and so um, so you get pulled in on this, and and you know, did they ask you like, have you worked with music videos before? Or, uh, you know, how'd that all go down? Yeah, I think in the meeting we just talked about the show and kind of what stories we like telling. You know, because that's that's. The whole gig is just storytelling, and being a big musical theater fan, Rachel and I kind of totally hit it off on talking about Arrested Development, which mm-hmm. I know I've done a few years before that. Um, and it was just a kind of a good fit. I mean, we've become good friends, and uh, it's it's a really fun. It's like some you know some gigs are terrible to work on. Like I freelance, so like some gigs are just awful. But this is like a really really great chill type to work. Yeah, here's uh here's six hundred dollars for three hours worth of work. Oh, sorry, it's actually twenty eight hours worth of work, and yeah, right. Uh, been there um yeah well that's cool and i guess it's nice to have a it's nice to have a steady gig um yeah so i mean are there any specific challenges as far as you know kind of getting the editing just right for the for the musical portions of it you know breaking into it um you know we talked a little bit about the timing i know that the timing in the show is excellent um you know like you know i I say it's like it's like 30 rock quality that sort of uh that sort of thing so you know so what's your secret um well, I don't know. I mean, the job, like, it's hard to, you know, I, I like to say the job is seriously like someone shows up in my office and dumps a whole box full of puzzle pieces on the floor. And it's like, here you go. Make a puzzle. You don't have to use all the pieces. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's the gig. And like, I don't know, as far as timing, it's like, I don't know. It's all feel, you know, it's kind of like, it's like playing music, right? Like, sometimes mm-hmm. that just feels good to you. And I feel like I've been fortunate enough that like, the stuff that I put together, you know, I mean, I've been doing it for a long time, but the stuff that I put together seems to flow. So, so that's good. I'm glad that that's the case. And I'm always thinking that, like, you know, 20 years from now, like, 
I'm going to probably be like really, you know, people are going to be like, oh, your style's super old. We don't want to hear that. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> no, don't say that. Um, all right. Well, so this is a birds podcast. So let's uh, let's sort of shift into the birds. Uh, how about the birds, man? Dude, dude, this year is sick. Are you kidding me? Look, I mean, 3-0 plus 4-0 in the preseason. I'm, I'm drinking the 23-0 Kool-Aid. Yeah, no, I, I'm totally with you. I was just talking about this just before with my uh, with uh, John Stolness. I was saying, you know, look, do they win? Do they lose another game? I don't think so. Uh, and and how and how could they not? I mean, they go in. Pittsburgh comes in. Pittsburgh's you know a legit Super Bowl contender, and they just beat them down into the ground. I mean, so that was a national game. You got that out there, right? Um, you know, so I mean, one of the things I'm moving away from Philadelphia is you quickly learn that the phrase "the national game" is a lie. It doesn't <laughs> mean anything. It means that. It, it really doesn't mean anything. It means that it's on probably in more places, but like since the Rams moved here now, like it means there's Rams games on all the time. Like uh, until this year, until this year, a lot of times you get the Birds game because they're popular. But I have a, I have a, I have a study ticket, so I'm, I'm in like, you know, such a great. Oh yeah, you, you so got, you got it all, you got it all figured out. Uh, yeah, that's cool. I, uh, I think we're all pretty excited about Carson Wentz. I mean, uh, just as far as you know, what have you seen from Wentz? What do, you, what do you see from him that you really like? I mean, I see dude not panicking. I see a quarterback who is accurate constantly and who's not, you know, the thing we're not, I feel like not a lot of people aren't noticing is it's not like he's even close to throwing picks, you know, like you're expecting rookies or Ryan Fitzpatrick to throw the ball straight <laughs> to the other guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, yeah. dude, dude is hitting him in the numbers on every throw. And if he, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I mean, I yeah. think it makes you, it really, it really makes you, you know, even more sad that fucking Macklin is gone. You know, I mean, think about, think about what kind of what that would be like. Yeah, that that would have been a, that's that's a good point actually. Everyone's been talking about Jackson because I think he's an impending free agent here. But uh, you know, I think that looking at Macklin, he he and Matt, he and Wentz would have been that would have been a nice duo. I mean, I think we we're sort of seeing a little bit of what that could be with Aguilar, but Aguilar's no Macklin. So, um, and and that's a good point. He, he doesn't look like he's really. There's never never anything where you're like, well, he's had a couple where they're like, that was unwise, but at the same time, you're like, you know, was it? It's just, is this guy just that good? The rating the game of the people around him. I mean, I, if he, <laughs> the fact that we have a quarterback now who, after just three games, is causing Aguilar to feel the pressure to step his game up is great. Yeah, uh, that's definitely true. You know, you can still go and bet on him winning MVP, and uh, I don't know. If I had ten dollars to spare, I might I might do something like that. You know. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um. So I guess uh. Going forward, what do you think? Uh, you got a season prediction? You got a record? I mean, look, man. I I I look at the schedule. Uh. And I'm like, after what just happened on Sunday. I mean, you're talking. You know, let's not overlook Doug Peterson, right? Like, Peterson mm-hmm. shows up, and all of us. I mean, come on. All of us over the summer were like hopeful, but skeptical. I think like. You know, like, well, I hope he can do it. I believe in the team. I believe that, you know, like, I believe. I believe. Yeah, deep down, yeah. I believe. But, he, but also, he, we're like, you can't well, help but be reminded of your friend's dumb dad, right? I mean, yeah, that's, exactly. That's, you know, that's sort of you watch press conference. Yeah, those press conferences, he's not obviously the most articulate guy. But you know what? Chip Kelly was an articulate guy in his press conferences. And look what happened. Right. You know, like, he was obviously, like, relating to the players. I mean, you think about, you know, I feel like how many times over the years did we talk about like Andy Reid and like, you know, obviously we all broke up publicly with Andy Reid, but like, you know, we kind of miss him in that way where you miss an ex girlfriend or you remember the good times. Mm-hmm. But we can talk about teams that were not well coached, right? Like, you see small, sloppy mistakes. And you watched this game last week. I mean, end of the game, like, you know, running the clock ahead, you see, like, uh, I think it was small, like rookie running backs 
carrying the ball to run the clock out and going down inbound in the last two minutes. That was yeah. great. That was that was a really underrated play. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it's small things like that that you're like, he's, he's got the team prepared. Like, they're showing up. You know, there's obviously tons and tons of media hype about how, like, obviously after our first two games, right, everyone's like, well, you beat Cleveland, well, you beat Chicago, the real test is coming. And, like, the team just blocks it all out, shows up, and plays an amazing game. Like, an amazing game. And, I mean, rookie head coach does that? I mean, I mean, that's something. That's something. Yeah, so what do you think? Uh, 14 and 2, 15 and 1, 16 and 0? Well, I think 16 and 0 is unreasonable these days because by the time you get to 13 and 3, you rest your starters because you've locked up the division. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know that Chase Daniels is going to win those last three games for us. But, look, I'm, 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 I'm all aboard the West Wagon. I feel like, you know, I'm really, really bummed we're not playing Sunday. I, wanted, I don't, I don't want to take a week off from this. Yeah, I, I went out and bought a shirt, least comfortable shirt I've ever owned. Still wear it, though. Um, Hey, Kabir, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, we're going to let you go, but uh, thanks again. Hey, come back on any time, and congrats again on the Emmy. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. I'll see you guys soon. All right, and thanks a lot to Kabir for stopping by. Uh, maybe we'll have him back. He's a big Eagles fan. Seemed pretty pumped to be here. Uh, I'm excited. We got to talk to him. Uh, so uh, I promised you some picks, uh, and let's deliver. Hit me! It's time to ring the bell and play some bets. Hey, I don't want your money punching my money. Here come our NFL picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. So where are we going first, John? I am going to uh, Washington, D.C., uh, my, <laughs> where I live right now. Um, I'm looking at this Cleveland Browns at the Washington Redskins, and this is a game I'm going to be forced to watch here in the Northern Virginia market. Um, and I'm seeing that the Cleveland Browns are eight-point underdogs to the Washington Redskins. I like the Browns to uh, to cover that. Uh, I mean, to to stay within the number. I, I don't think the Redskins blow out the the Browns. I think the Redskins aren't very good. The Redskins should be eight point favorites Amen. against anybody. Amen. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Cleveland Browns there, and I don't I wouldn't even be at all surprised if the Browns win that thing outright. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good one. Um, oh, here's a good one. How about the Rams at the Cardinals? Now, the Cardinals are eight-point favorites. We're going to go down to sunny Phoenix, Arizona, so grab your guns, make sure you're carrying your ID, and let's <laughs> let's go on down to Arizona where, where all good things happen. Um, the uh, Cardinals are eight-point favorites. That seems high to me. I think the Cardinals, well, the Cardinals just got a beat down at the Bills, and the Bills are not the sort of team that's built to beat someone down. Um, so I got to say that, you know, the Rams... It wouldn't surprise me at all to see them sort of uh, replicate the kind of performance they put on against uh, the Seahawks, you know, and they, they beat the Seahawks pretty handily. And, you know, the Rams always show up in the division there. But, um, you know, just winning up front, Cardinals again for the millionth year, it seems like they have problems on their on their offensive line. Offense can't really get going. Is Father Time still, you know, finally catching up with Carson Palmer? Carson Palmer throws 14 picks in a season on a good year. So, you know, it doesn't it wouldn't surprise me at all to say, you know, look, I don't know if the Rams will win, but would they lose by eight points? It wouldn't surprise me to see that they didn't. No, I agree with that. You know, I, I think uh, I, I think the Rams are, you know, they're 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 a spunky little bunch. You know, and you know, I think Arizona, you know, they really did not look good. I don't know what's going on with Carson Palmer. You know, he's that that's a team that's supposed to be a Super Bowl contender, but 
maybe they take a step back this year. And, you know, that's a big line. You, the, the Rams have, you know, if Todd Gurley gets going and, you know, it's, yeah. it, I, I totally agree with that. Um, and they're not getting any production from their first round pick. Bruce Arians benched Robert Kimdiche for looking at him wrong, I assume. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think that the Cardinals are a deeply flawed team. Certainly not what I would envision being an eight point favorite, especially against a Rams squad that's overachieved by all rights. Yeah. Um, I guess the other one I had my eye on was the Carolina Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons. So Carolina's a three-point favorite. Um, but I don't know. I guess I still believe in the Panthers, you know, fun, funnily enough. Uh, I think that they could really turn it on if they can if they can do things right. And the flip side of that is I don't think the Falcons can do anything right. I know they just shellacked the, uh, uh, the Saints there on Monday night, putting up 40, 45 points, I think, on them. But I don't know. I mean, it just seems like... The Falcons aren't going to be able to put up 45 points on on the Panthers, and I think the, the flip side of that is the Panthers could easily put you know hang 40 points on that bad bad Falcons defense. Mm-hmm. You know they can't get any push up front. The line's always been the problem with the Panthers, and it has been again this year. I think that I would look for the Panthers to easily win by more than three points. Listen, I, this this note to the Atlanta Falcons too. As a Devontae Freeman owner, could you please stop vulturing his touchdowns with Tevin Coleman? Just Devontae's the better running back. Leave leave Tevin on the bench for crying out loud. Um, all right, this, this, is, this is what you get. You you, you yeah. reap what you sow, I guess. <laughs> That's right. Um, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, last game. Um, I'm gonna take. Uh, you know, I think. Um, I like the Chargers over the Saints because I don't think the Saints are any good. And Drew Brees on the road is is pretty lousy. I know Phillip Rivers has lost some talent, but I think Tyra, I think uh, Tyro Williams is is going to step up and and develop as a receiver. I like the Chargers to cover the four point spread, so I'll take the Chargers. Uh, yeah, and the Chiefs at the Steelers—that's sort of an interesting one, just because you know the Eagles—they sort of run the Chiefs' offense, um, you know, better. I would say, but the Chiefs' offense is you know pretty dang potent, especially if they had a little bit more talent here and there. But. Yeah. Um, uh, that should be an interesting matchup. I'm not really sure who wins. Pittsburgh's obviously a five-point favorite, but Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh's kind of reeling. Uh, I guess they get Le'Veon Bell back this week, and that, that'll probably put him over, but um, that should be an interesting matchup. I wonder if the Chiefs took a look at what the Eagles just did and said, hey, we... We we know how to do some of that stuff, and I wonder I wonder if the Chiefs couldn't hang in there. Uh, that's about as uh, that's about as noncommittal as I'll get about that. <laughs> um, so uh, you have any you have any last thoughts? Just that you know, I mean, it's I, I, it sucks that we have a bye week this week, but at the very least, we get to we get to keep watching highlights of the Eagles Steelers game for an additional extra week. Nothing worse than like you, you you get a big blowout win and then there's a letdown the following week, and you don't have as much time to savor that win. So two weeks to savor this Eagles Steelers win, guys. Yeah, uh, I guess for me, I always like it when none of our divisional rivals play each other because then my rooting interest is not split in any way. I don't have to sort of weigh like, oh, would I rather the Giants or the men? (laughs) So we have Dallas Cowboys at 40 against the Fighting Chip Kellys. Go Fighting Chip Kellys. Uh, We have Washington versus Cleveland Browns. Uh, Go Browns. Uh, they're they're going to get their first win, and then the Giants against the Vikings, and this should be a good one because um, I think the Giants are frauds. Uh, so this should be this should be sort of a nice game. You know, if the Vikings are what we think they are, then you know that that line against whatever the Giants have sort of slapped together there, Will Beatty and Eric Flowers and and those guys. I mean, Eli could be in for a long night there. So I, I guess I'm looking forward to that. That's the Monday night game, but you know, hopefully the Eagles will come out of it and they, they won't have played a down of football and they'll come out another game on top. So uh, I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, thanks again to our guest. Uh, this has been episode number 191 here of BGN Radio. Uh, take care, everybody.
folks, we have now reached our final destination of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We realize you have a choice in podcast, and we thank you for choosing ours. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think I, I think you got to come back and and we got to get heavy into that because I want to know if you're still talking to Maynard every now and again. <laughs> I, I got, dude, I got stories. Oh, I got God. stories. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> oh, we, we will, we will dive so hard into that next time. Uh, and yeah, that would be that would be a lot of fun.